Hide Hide your kids. kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous Dangerous podcast. podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah, everybody. You know what's up. You know what's up. We're at Unleashed World, Paris, France. And... Strolling by, we grabbed the great, <laughs> the mystery, the man, Bill Borman. His shirt was so loud, we had to pull him Who, in. According to his badge, is a, an analyst at Vonk. So we're in the Vonk oh. booth, so it makes sense that he would show up. So you caught the Vonk. on the booth for three years, my friend. <laughs> we cannot capture his shirt on audio, but just take my word for it that it's impressive. If it was audio, you'd not be able to hear anything else. <laughs> I accept that. I accept that. Think about the shirt equivalent of a Sex Pistols concert in the Caribbean, and that is his shirt. <laughs> That's the shirt. Drunk on rum. Yes. I agree. <laughs> Bill, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm Excellent. good, living the dream, you know, back at HR Tech we, we have no agenda here. What do you want to talk about? So I know when we were talking a little bit about what's happening in the European market, the things I'm seeing, it's kind of um, crazy times, I think. We use a lot of cliches in recruiting, right? Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of them are hyperbole and unnecessary. But I genuinely think this time is unprecedented. I think we've never seen a hiring time like this right now. And technologies. Well, technologies to deal with it, but it's more to do with, in most of the major economies, in reality, we're in recession, even if we want to try and avoid talking about it and pretending it's not happening. We are technically in recession, but we've never had recession with zero unemployment. So the metric is normally pretty predictable. You increase the number of contingency roles, your permanent roles drop down, and you have a lot more candidates than you have jobs. That's actually not happening. Although there's a about 35% drop in jobs, which are published on the web, there's still more jobs than there are people available before you even get into the fact of whether their skills match and all that kind of. So we're in a kind of really weird time where companies are going, okay, we don't necessarily have money, but equally they're going, we don't have our key staff. And I think that's the other point is that what we learned, the big lesson from COVID times and lockdown was the people who are key staff to our organizations are not the people we would have ranked as key staff and high posts. Like yeah. the right? CEO. The CEO. Not said, fucking yeah, key staff. Yeah, nobody no. was clapping for them on a Thursday night. <laughs> no. I wasn't clapping for any bankers who weren't at work. You know, yes. really so no. Shame on you. So no. the key people in organizations where we have the, the most acute shortage at this current moment in time, particularly in the UK and in Europe, are not the people we've built. Tech, we've built technology to hire technologists, executives, that kind of stuff. We haven't built technologies to hire hospitality, care, this kind of stuff. So the, the supply chain, the fucking essential workers, which we've never called these people before. They were the people who we went, we cannot run our businesses without these people going to work. Everybody else can work from home, do what they have to do. These, Unless you're driving a bus or delivering something. But we they can't have operate. never been called essential in their life. No. They were called essential. They saw the supply chain start to falter and they're like, motherfucker, I get paid shit. I get treated like and shit. And I still get paid shit, by the way, because now everyone's going, we lost all our money to COVID, so we can't. So I'm going somewhere else to do something else. We've got that going on. The other really big thing, and I learned this from a guy called Kevin Green, who runs all the hiring for, I think, First Bus, one of the big bus companies. And he said the bus drivers during the lockdown were heroes. They were taking the essential workers. People were applauding them, clapping them in the street. You know, they'd never been 
admired in that way. Postman saying the yeah. same thing, right? But then a week after the lockdown finished, when everything opened up, suddenly they were really short staffed because a lot of them had caught COVID because they'd been out going to work every day, running the risk. Yeah. So they were short staffed. The buses weren't turning up on time when they said we went from hero to zero in like a day. Like the next, yeah. One day they were all cheering us. The next day right. they were all swearing at us because... They had to go back to work and our bus was late. So there's also a lot of those people who wore the brunt of COVID, took a lot of risks. You go in the care sector, people genuinely keeping people alive for minimum wage, right? And then when it was over, those people lost all that kudos and that's had a massive impact on motivation. I had a conversation at lunchtime, you know, this thing about quiet quitting. The quiet quitting bullshit. So what we mean by quiet quitting is people going to work and doing only their job. Only the amount that they get paid for. Doing what they're paid to <laughs> doing do. Doing what they're paid for. Lazy right? bastards. And we've invented a thing that says that's a problem. You know what we also call them? Yeah. B players. B players. Right, right? Because they're not overachievers. They're not our A yeah. players. But guess what? Most teams are full of B players, which is fucking great. Uh, and by the way, most, most of the time you want B players because yes. you want to just carry on, do your thing, don't leave. I want to jump back real quick to you talked about unemployment and it being a very unique time in, in Europe. As two Americans, we have a lot of fun on our European show talking about startups, innovations, money coming into Europe. There's a lot more going on than just the unemployment rate. Talk about the excitement in Europe around the money, the ideas, the startups and the companies that are really taking off. I think there's certain things that are really interesting, right? So I can talk about some specific companies in a bit, but there's some trends which are really exciting when you look at the startups. So the first one is, I think we're genuinely getting to the point where we might actually do something with skills hiring. Where we are at in the minute, which is not surprising, is we've translated our way of hiring from experience into skills, is the first stage, is build a skills taxonomy, look at the available data for those skills, move people around on skills. You How get do we that validate the skills though? That's the hardest part. Right, that's part of the challenge. So at the moment, it's assumed skills based on history, right? So it's not too different to your resume, but I think we're beginning to move towards seeing more assessment stuff. I've been looking at two or three startups today where they put some reasonable assessment in the application process that's quite light touch quite quick, but it's really matching you and taking you straight immediately to the interview level, offering you a video interview if you want it. So I'm seeing some startups there that are doing some interesting work in that, assess you in the application, tell you if you're wasting your time, right? Which is the ultimate candidate experience thing, which is just saying, do this thing, five, 10 minutes, you're guaranteed an interview if you get through this, we're not gonna waste your time. You know what, in, in many cases, if it's like a customer service job or something of that nature, you give them the fucking job. If they if they prove that they have they have validated and they they can do the skills. So I'm seeing that kind of thing. I'm I'm actually seeing what's looking like more productive use of analytics, like actually using data in some kind of meaningful way. So we've gone from these long long discussions we had about whether it's big data. We're actually beginning to have products where we're going. Actually, I can see some legs in there. I can see some reality in that. I can see a real application. And a lot of that is built around this, around these marketplaces, which have been quite ignored, really, which is the high-volume, low-skill, aptitude, hiring for aptitude. Russell Kloss talked about that today. And that has picked up dramatically since COVID because of what we talked about earlier. Yeah, so COVID was 
a great time for HR Tech, really, I think. COVID was a great time, just so we get that. For no, HR it was tech. a great time for me. I loved it. <laughs> Not the dying and stuff. That was unfortunate. But the, I mean, the, Locked away at home. Yeah. The thing that really stood out for me was suddenly we had video interviews. We took hiring managers having to do five interviews out. When things became impossible, we discovered people could work from home. And actually, it wasn't yeah, that it bad. It was possible. The world didn't stop, right? Now... That's a whole different show if we talk about working from home. But I think that whole thing, that COVID period, forced change. It was a medically induced recession. It forced change. We got budget to do some things which we never had any money for because it was at the same time as the skills shortage, the hiring, that was still there, right? So we had the opportunity to do lots of things and come out of that COVID period. I won't say COVID's gone, but come out of that lockdown period I think probably four or five years ahead of where we would have been if it would have been natural times. I think with certain things. Especially for remote work, hybrid work, and being able to utilize a lot of those systems. Yeah, using things like video, chatbots, loads of technology, right? Heavy lifting admin stuff that we talked about for a long time is now a reality. And And I don't see any sign of that going back in terms of the technology some of the methodology do people work from home do they not is it practical some of the leadership jamie diamond that kind of it's the leadership who can't deal with it it's not the people the people are like i'm okay working from home and it's actually someone going i need to see you to manage you if i can't see you i can't be your boss it's a control issue yeah and the other thing i think we discovered why people are being called not really contributing is we discovered when you don't have to commute to work and have loads of meetings and all that kind of stuff. But whenever you have a meeting, it's 30 minutes. It has an agenda. It's very structured, which is the benefit of the Zoom type culture. I think we actually discovered we were only really doing six or seven hours a week work. So suddenly we're looking at jobs and going, hang on, we paid someone for 40 hours and now this is all they're doing. And they're like, yeah, but their output is the same. Their output's better. So I think there's some methodology challenges in there but the tech i think is really exciting i think things are getting adopted where we're getting to is we've seen some good exits in europe reasonable exits particularly of point solutions things like candidate id that i worked with that went for a very good multiple compared with what the revenue was showed a bit of methodology all of the ats's are looking to become platforms yes (laughs) i talked to the, the ceos of the ats's about once a week the main ones And part of that is saying, right, what their plan is, is three things. The first one is the money spent on attraction and selection is 20x the money spent on software licenses. And they want a piece of that, right? So the way in which they've got their valuations is to say, if we can get 20 or 30% of that revenue by putting those services inside the ATS. Firstly, we're more sticky. You have no reason to go anywhere else. You're less likely to leave and change. Secondly we're suddenly getting 30 to 40% of revenue, which wasn't there. So that's really what with Vonk, um, whose booth we're sitting on, that's what we've built in terms of product. How do you put jobs inside the ATS? And all of these CEOs are saying the same thing. We want candidates in the ATS, right? We don't want you to go and source them from somewhere else, do something else. So we're seeing more marketplaces coming in. We're seeing more opportunity for not the integrations that we've had before, which were really either one-way emulation, data push, or they were, we'll put you in our shop. Like, you know, all the stuff we're coming to say, we'll put you in our shop. We'll integrate you. We'll put you in our marketplace. Now it's, we're going to put you in our workflow. You're going to be white labeled. So you've got questions. We've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. 
Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. If you're solving one problem really well and you're able to solve it better than the ATSs, and the ATSs see that as a critical function, whether that's compliance, job distribution, whatever it is. If you can be put inside the ATS and be invisible, yes. you tick another box for them in the RFIs. You make them more sticky. You're giving them 30%, 40% of the revenue. And yep. for a business, you've no cost of sale. Now, there's one other fundamental driver in that which people don't notice. And that is, historically, the value of a software company has been based on ARR, annual recurring revenue, right? And you'll get a multiple of for anyone who doesn't live in the strange world we live in, right? That, that's how you value the company. And transactional business has been bad to do. It's lowered your value because you did lots of transactional sales. However, if you're doing transactional sales in a channel, like if you're doing them in Greenhouse or Smart Recruiters, Cornerstone. Over hundreds or thousands of companies. I mean, just over those companies and then the transactions. Opportunity to sell every day. Yes. It's transactional. So you're having to build things around that like wallets for payments and create really an e-commerce marketplace inside the ATS. But it also means... You could do single transactions job by job. So what I'm seeing as a market trend, which is being reflected in tools, is you can really split hiring into two distinct channels, right? 80% of hiring is what we'd call supply chain. Repeated positions, similar skill level, locations might be a bit different, but you're always hiring. So that's always on. So we're beginning to build the always on machine, which says, make sure there's always enough going in the top of the funnel. E-commerce 101. Enough yep. customers in the top means you get people coming out the bottom. So always on. 15 to 20% of roles are campaign. They're ones that you have to hire specifically for this role. Either there's not a lot of candidates in the market, but it requires a job-by-job approach rather than a general approach. Uh-huh. So what I think we're seeing happen in technology is more technology. People like Real Links who do the referral stuff. So really, really exciting personalization of hiring job by job and equally from a recruiter's point of view you don't need any authority so you get a budget for that role either we need to do referrals i heard you talking about another referral tech recently some guys who bought you some drinks i think to speak about them aaron yeah they bought you some drinks right so everybody buys us drinks that's that's not i'll buy you drinks the point of actually we don't want to do all the referrals but we do want to do these this job needs referral or this job needs extra spend on advertising or this job needs duration-based advertising which we've been starting to kill off with programmatic 
So I'm seeing tech making lots of things possible to combine. This is our supply chain. This is our engine. Yeah. Recruitment, marketing, all that kind of stuff. But it's all being driven through the ATS. So for me, it's like super exciting where for 10 years, all of us, world's most dangerous podcast has been talking about and the ATS is broken, no innovation, nothing happening. Now there's stuff really happening, right? Because they've got to consolidate that position. And I think you may have originated this line of thinking, actually, Chad. I think I may begrudgingly have to give you credit for something. So the, the thing I really, really like, right? I'll take it. I think when you talk, you did a show a while ago where you were talking about nobody thinks about Indeed as the competitors to the ATSs, but in the SME, like the Jazz HR, yeah, yeah. that kind of that kind of space, right? Indeed and other platforms, other job boards were beginning to build credible enough technology to say, if you're only hiring 50 people this year, you actually don't need this stuff. So Which I think is most businesses, by the way. Most businesses, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I think that's, it's another exciting area when we're looking at our market to say, actually, what's competing with us isn't the people who we've hired. Historically, we've identified another company that looks a bit like us and said, that's the enemy, that these three companies, what are they doing? Now we're going, actually, it's a mix of technology and methodology that's saying, where is it coming from? So I think there's a lot of exciting opportunity. The other thing that's happening is the learning and development. If you look across the board, L&D and hiring is becoming a single function, right? Which lots of people are questioning that. But how I'm seeing that is historically... Up to a couple of years ago, I could probably think of three or four people who went from head of talent acquisition to CHRO. And the reality is the CHRO is the board seat. That's where the C-suite is. That's where the power is. But generally, talent was too specialist. Learning was too specialist. The CHRO was a generalist who could deal with everything. What I've seen in the last 18 months is heads of talent acquisition becoming heads of people. Sounds like semantics, right? What's driven that is more of what we're taking on in talent acquisition went from onboarding, it started off with that, and we started becoming responsible for dealing with that. Then internal mobility was a ma- been a massive driver and topic. Yeah, because of retention. Right, but if you bring internal mobility into talent acquisition, we do internal mobility just in the way we did external mobility, right? Which is, who could get this job today if we send them for an interview there? Right, that's who owns talent management, yeah. which has been the hard part. Because But this is the next phase. So yeah. the next phase is now people are going... Well, actually, career planning, workforce planning, all those good things need to come into this kind of TA, into this people function. So what I believe we're going to see is the TA function is slowly going to disappear as a title or a dedicated function. Becomes a people function or a talent function? You're going to have learning and talent as a single function under people. Learning, bringing in the career development, but equally the biggest part of employer brand is actually learning content. What we're seeing from all the data at the minute, when we say, where are the candidates? Something I was speaking about earlier. Everything we're seeing is candidates are not following brands in the way we perceive they would. They're not like following this company till a job falls and reading all their stuff and watching all their videos. What they're doing is they're applying to jobs. They're doing that with very limited information. Job title, salary, location still, even though it's remote. And disqualifies. What are the reasons I wouldn't get this job? Why are they doing that? Are you saying brand doesn't matter? No, I'm not. But it doesn't matter for attraction, which is where we spend most of the money on attracting people in, right? Where it counts, what happens is... Retention? No, the moment... Retention of the candidate in the workflow, 
right? If you follow the data path, the moment they've applied, first of all, they're applying with no expectation they're ever going to hear from you again. They have to get through the application process first. Yeah. Why should they invest any more time than necessary in applying? And that feeling that they're almost definitely not going to hear from you again generally is true. We reinforce that, but that's not unbelievable, right? But the moment they get one positive response, come to the first phase of the funnel, they're then all over employer brand. At the moment, we put all our branding above the funnel. Attract, come and look at us, look how great we are, look at our stuff. Nobody's looking at that stuff. Millions being spent on it, nobody looking at it. And the data shows us this. But the moment they're interested and get a positive affirmation, that's when they want more content. And they want more content because they're going, I've applied to eight people because I've just applied to everything that looks roughly right. Yeah. Now I'm going to start making choices. Who am I going to ghost? Who am I going to drop out of? Who am I going to speak to? And a big part of that, I think, is social media. And the yeah. first time I saw you speak, it was about the benefits of social media in terms of recruiting. And I'm curious, 10 years hence since I last saw you, where are you on social media, the importance, and most importantly for our listeners, where does TikTok fall in the future or present know, of recruiting? TikTok, no, I, right. It is the platform. Are you kidding me? Anywhere where people go is a place to recruit. And that's everything from a physical place. I've seen people, Wreckfest, a couple yeah. of the companies have sponsored Wreckfest, hired all their recruiters because they paid for a stage, right? So anywhere people go, some old school physical... We've hired people for Oracle off a bus stop because we knew that's where they were, right? Yeah. So TikTok is a channel where lots of people are. Lots of people are engaging at the same time as lots of people are engaging on YouTube. People are using video more as their means of communication. FaceTime, actually, they prefer face before voice just to confirm you're not a catfish, right? So all of those behaviors, I think... Is it a sign at a bus stop? How do you engage? How do you... Get get to those people. First of all, you need to know where they are, right? So understanding your audience. Where do they go? What do they do? How do they get to work currently? They take the bus. Those are the people that we want. No, it was actually outside the office, but it was the most visible point, right? Uh <laughs> where we knew where the other people were. So it's, it's a billboard as somebody's yeah, going into the office. The best one I ever heard of was an Australian company, Atlassian. Put it on kangaroos. They put a billboard. A bottle of Fosters. Yeah, they put a billboard on the back of a lorry with a little employer brand video about how great it was to live and work in Australia. They drove it outside Oracle and other places, played the video saying, we're coming to steal your developers. Wouldn't you rather come and work in this place? Like, you hate your job, but you can hate your job and go on the beach in 10 minutes. Yeah. So what's the equivalent of that on social media? Is it advertising? Is it organic presence? It's a bit of everything. So sometimes it's very targeted advertising, making sure you're reaching the right people. And social media makes that possible. Sometimes it's timing. We no longer talk about social. We used to have social media recruitment conferences, right, that we used to go to and speak at. We're now at the point where these channels are embedded in the way in which we communicate and should also be embedded in the way in which we communicate, not just recruiting, but employee engagement, the whole thing. Yeah. So I think, really, we're at the point where having all the options of knowing where people are, giving them the choice to behave to do what they do in that channel, uh -huh. understand the accepted behavior and terminology in that channel, in the way that you talk to people, but making sure if we want to connect with you, you can talk back to us. If you want to do that in WhatsApp, you can do that in WhatsApp. If you want to do that by email, you can do that by email. If you want to reach us by voice and have a conversation, you can do that. So for me, it's using how do we know just by looking at the data that nearly everyone we want to reach 
is in a social media channel in some way, whatever that is, and is using it to communicate, talk, talk to their kids, whatever it is. So how do we insert ourselves in that without being intrusive? How do we not? So I compare it. When I go on TikTok, right, since you're using the TikTok example, I mark video, employer brand videos down on TikTok as dad dancing. I call it dad dancing. It's like a brand trying to be cool and trying to be cool becomes almost not cool. Like, even when it's a case if they've gone... Dad, stop dancing on TikTok. Stop it. Yeah, my, my son will go, yeah, you're trying to make it LinkedIn. That's what he says to me all the time. He's 23. He's like, this is dad. I'll try and do a tick, even a social TikTok thing and he'll go, yeah, don't do that, dad. Like this, And he'll go, this stop. is not your place. This is not where you come. You're not cool there. Yeah. It's not very recruity, Dad. You not need your to go lane. Stick to LinkedIn for. Well, kids, we've just learned that Bill Borman's not cool on TikTok. Although you need to be. Although I am on TikTok, on I do t- have a channel. I didn't say you weren't on TikTok. You're just not cool on TikTok. I'm not cool. He may be a harbinger of death, though, because the last time we interviewed him was in Dallas right before COVID. <laughs> so I'm a little worried <laughs> that we're interviewing right him today and what might follow oh, this interview. Well, this Glenn yeah. Pittich will uh, irregardless. Bill, thank you for sitting down no, with us you. for Can a little chat. Can I just chat. say one last thing? So I want to genuinely, I throw a lot of shade at the podcast very often about different things. We love it. But I actually want to thank you for what you're doing. And, you know, you're being good Aww. voices out there. You're going to make me cry. Stop it. So cheers, guys. When you cheers. say good voices Welcome down there, where is down there? The depths of content hell? <laughs> well, no, no. It's like you've managed to combine a social show with a recruiting show, you're the world's tallest dwarfs. Is that politically correct? Coming from a dwarf. No, (laughs) I I won one of the global recruiting awards, right? And I came back and I was kind of doing my dad's strut around the house. You're doing your TikTok dad dance. Yeah. Yeah. And and my son turned around to me and said, just turn around like kids do out of the blue. They put Uh you in your place. Oh, yeah. He went, dad, that's great. But just remember, that makes you the world's tallest dwarf. And that's where I think we are. And if our listeners want to connect with the world's tallest dwarf, where where should they go, Bill? The best place, Facebook, LinkedIn, anywhere social, B-O-O-R-M-A-N. The end of the world, our interview with Bill Borman. As we know it. And with that, we out. We out. Thank you for listening to, what's it called? The podcast. The chat. The cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout-outs of people you don't even know. And yet, you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack. Swiss. There's so many cheeses. And not one word. So weird. Anywho... Be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.